Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Our Lady in Doctrine and Devotion, the show dedicated to furthering the knowledge and love of the Mother of God, presented by member-supported Restoration Radio. I am your host, Alexander Krasik, and I am joined by our guest, Father Herman Fleece, professor at Most Holy Trinity Seminary in Brooksville, Florida. Welcome to the show, Father. Hello. Nice to be here again. Nice to have you back with us. Today's episode is entitled, Devotion to Mary in the Mind of the Church and of the Saints. Father, before we delve into particular questions, could you tell us a little bit about what we will focus on in the second episode? Certainly. Well, uh, I think as the title more or less suggests, we are going to see the main principles concerning devotion to Our Lady, um, drawn especially from the popes, the fathers, the doctors, uh, saints and theologians. Um, So that will be the, the plan. That sounds very interesting, Father. So where would you like to begin today? Well, we can start with the teaching of the popes and doctors uh, concerning uh, eternal salvation, devotion to Our Lady, how it connects with eternal salvation. That sounds like an excellent place to start, Father, since after all, that's what we're here to accomplish. The eternal salvation of our souls is, of course, the one thing necessary. If we make it to heaven, our life has been a success and we will be forever blessed. But if not, we have lost everything and we will burn eternally in hell. So I really think it's a good place for us to start. And this fact alone really makes it obvious that this is one of the most important questions on devotion to Our Lady. So how would you like to begin, Father? Well, the first thing we have to make clear is what do we mean? We're going to speak about this in this show, about devotion to Our Lady devotion. So what do we mean in this show um, specifically is veneration of Our Lady and invocation of her, that is, to put simply to have uh, any practice like uh, having statues and pictures and any sort of veneration, and especially, especially importantly, the invocation that is praying to our lady. Um, and as we're going to see with some of the, of the quotes I, I gathered for the show, devotion to our lady in this sense, that is, that we pray to her, is morally necessary for salvation. So what does that mean, Father, when you say something is morally necessary? In this case, this devotion is morally necessary for our salvation. Well, the theologians say that something can be necessary in two ways. So first is absolutely, and then the second way is morally. That's a key word, morally. So something is necessary absolutely um, when we cannot attain the end simply, we just cannot attain the end without it, and this according to the nature of things. Uh, And then what is morally necessary is that uh, without which we, uh, the end cannot be attained easily. It's physically and uh, absolutely speaking, it's not impossible to attain it, but it cannot be attained in an easy manner. That makes sense. So how does this apply to eternal salvation, Father? Well, in the question of eternal salvation, uh, we can point out with the uh, theologian I read for for the show that what is absolutely necessary, sorry, absolutely necessary, is sanctifying grace. Why? Because uh, a soul without sanctifying grace simply cannot attain to the beatific vision. There has to be grace in the soul. Okay, so this is absolutely necessary. Now, obviously, devotion to Our Lady, the meaning we spoke, 
uh, is not absolutely necessary for salvation, just as, as a sanctifying grace is, uh, because even though I would say, well, is it not true that Our Lady is the mediatrix of all graces? Yes, it is true. So all the graces we receive, and therefore that we need for salvation, come to us through Our Lady. But the truth is that sometimes Our Lady obtains those graces without the person uh, invoking her or praying to her. And this explicitly, and that's the whole point we're going to see today is how this special devotion to Our Lady, which means you know, that you will say prayers to her, and ask for help explicitly, etc., how that is necessary. So they say, well, if somebody doesn't, in, in principle, absolutely speaking, can obtain the grace of salvation and sanctifying grace, like in the state of grace, without uh, invoking Our Lady, you must say directly, um, but as we're going to see, that um, is true, uh, theoretically speaking, and, and, and it's correct. But in the practical order, we're going to see that there are many, many, many difficulties. And therefore, we say that it is not impossible, but uh, absolutely speaking, but it is morally impossible. Uh, now, I will say it is obvious that uh, devotion to Mary is an excellent means of obtaining salvation that is the question here is, is it necessary? Because it is obvious that it's very helpful and it's excellent, etc. It would help the soul extremely well in the advancing in salvation. And by the way, in, the, in those lines, there is the uh, quote of St. Bonaventure. The saint says, she is the helper, our lady, she is the helper and lover of those who praise her, as they know by experience. So in this quote of the saint is, those who praise her, then they will have the special devotion. They receive special graces from Our Lady. So there's, it is obvious and very clear that it will be a, a very, very strong help in the way of salvation. Yeah, that's very easy to see, unless, of course, you're blinded like the heretics are. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, um, but the, the popes, uh, doctors and saints say uh, more. So they say that it is not only extremely useful for saving our soul, which they say, but they say that it is to have recourse to our lady to pray to her for, for help uh, is morally necessary for eternal salvation. So we just spoke about that moral necessity. What it means is, is that according to the popes and the doctors, the special devotion to our lady, praying to her, etc., that goes far beyond, beyond the limits of fittingness, you know, that, well, it, wouldn't it be a good idea? Is it not fitting, etc.? which it is, but it goes far beyond that. It constitutes what is called a, a, a certain moral necessity, that is, there's a sort of necessity in the way we explain and we're going to go a little further. Mm -hmm. um, because the popes and, and saints say that it is, extremely difficult, extremely difficult, and hence, as we spoke, morally impossible, to obtain and preserve the graces necessary for salvation without the help of Our Lady, that is, without praying to Our Lady in particular instances. And um, so, now, we, we have to remark here that 
We're not speaking here about those who are invisibly ignorant of our lady. That is somebody who either doesn't know about our lady or knows very little and he's just, you know, in the way of conversion. And he, he doesn't know uh, too much, either nothing or, or not too much. Then he wouldn't apply uh, to them necessarily. But here we are speaking about, obviously, 95% of the, of the Catholics who know the faith, that they know, you know who already is, and she's a mother of God, etc. And still, if somebody knowing that who our lady is and that she's a mother of God and, and so forth, and still disdains devotion to her, as well, you know, I prefer our devotions, and I don't care for, basically, I'm not bound to, to have special devotions, so, mm-hmm. you know, I go some other way and neglect to invoke her, then to them it applies that, in principle, sure, there's no strict need of the devotion, therefore it's not absolutely wrong, but your salvation will be so, so difficult that it's going to be morally impossible. And that's the teaching of the, um, of the popes and, and doctors. Well, Father, just from that, it's quite clear how important this topic is. In fact, it's of the greatest importance, since from what you say, upon it may very well depend whether or not we make it to heaven. It's easy to see why priests are so careful to preach devotion to Our Lady. It's a question of striving for for our eternal salvation. So since this is such a grave and crucial matter pertaining to salvation, Father, could you give us some testimonies of the popes, fathers, saints, theologians? Uh, certainly, and yes, it's a good point you made that, you know, the priests preaching from the sermons, that this is not like anything of just a mere, you know, personal devotion of the priests, you know, which would be fine and praiseworthy. No, the, the priests know that this is, as they say, you know, in familiar English, a big deal, that this mm-hmm. is the biggest question. So, um, yes, and uh, so I will give you some quotes I, I gathered for the show. Uh, now, I'm happy to have these uh, quotes here, and I will read from them, because this we show that while we are speaking about this, this truth that devotion to Our Lady is morally necessary for salvation, it's not just, oh, a nice thought, oh, you know, devotion, how, how nice it sounds, you know, how pious, no. It is something solidly based on sacred theology, and therefore, you know, it's, it's something that needs to be thought about and mm-hmm. reflected because it's important. Mm-hmm. But so the, if we go to the quotes, we have first St. Pius X, uh, he writes, For can anyone fail to see that there is no surer or more direct road than by Mary for uniting all mankind to Christ? Hence, too, since according to Christ himself, quote, now this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent, unquote. And since it is through Mary that we attain to the knowledge of Christ, through Mary also, we most easily obtain that life of which Christ is the source and origin. So that's St. Pius X. And then before him we had Leo XIII. He writes, So great is her dignity, so great her favor before God, that whosoever is in, in his need will not have recourse to her, is trying to fly without wings. Very strong words, to fly without wings. And then from the Holy Fires, I will quote two. 
The first is from St. Germanus of Constantinople, a saint of the 8th century. He says, O Mary, thou art all-powerful to save sinners, nor needest thou any other recommendation, for thou art the mother of true life. And then in another place, the same saint uh, says, No one is saved except through thee. Now, the saint, of course, supposes our Lord as a source of salvation, but what he means is that our Lord does not bring anyone to salvation without the mediation of his mother, which boils down to that. No one is saved, saved except through thee, that is through your intercession. And then St. Bernard of Clairvaux, he says, This divine mother, O my children, is a ladder of sinners, by which they ascend to the height of divine grace. She is my greatest confidence. She is the whole basis of my hope. Very nice quote of the great St. Bernard. Um, so those are, again, two, two of the fathers, but obviously there are a lot more, but we just have to choose some, you know, for the show. They're very excellent quotes. <laughs> Can't list them all, but those are some very good ones. Um, so, Father, you mentioned that our thesis, namely that devotion to Our Lady is morally necessary for salvation. You mentioned that that was well-founded on sacred theology. Could you please show us how? Uh, certainly, yes. Well, as we know in theology, what uh, does is to explain with reason uh, the truth of, um, of some of the, of the doctrines. So here, if we apply this, we're going to apply a, a reasoning of St. Thomas Aquinas, or based on him. So St. Thomas says that every man is obliged to pray. And then the reason for that is that we need to obtain spiritual goods, which God alone can bestow, like sanctifying grace and then perseverance, etc. And those goods, only God can give them, and therefore only we can obtain them by praying to him that he uh, gives them. So that's the necessity of prayer. So we have to pray. Now, according to the present general law of providence, prayer in the case of adults is not only necessary by necessity of precept, but also by necessity of means. That is, we are not only commanded to pray by a law or something, um, but if we do not pray, we will not save our souls. This we have to pray. Uh, now, how does, does this connect to devotion to Our Lady in this way that obviously our prayer is primarily to God, uh, God as, an, as the end, so we pray to God, uh, because from God we expect all good. But in a secondary way, we pray to the saints as our patrons uh, who intercede before, before God. So, of course, we can pray to God directly in, in an immediate manner, certainly, but according to the order that God himself established, we should often turn to the saints when we wish to obtain graces from God. And uh, uh, so that, well, why? So that they intercede before God and God himself, he's the source of all good, he will give us a grace and it comes from God. But the saints are our in, uh, intercessors. And Our Lady, of course, holds the first place among the saints. She is, after all, the queen of all saints. Yes, yes. So once you... We show with St. Thomas that we need the help of the saints and to pray to the saints, then, well, of course, then we need to pray to Our Lady. And then, uh, well, actually, I have here a quote from Leo XIII, who says, Now, of all the blessed in heaven, 
Who can compare with the august mother of God in obtaining grace? Who has more, more power in moving God? And then, for all, all these reasons, uh, the theologians um, speak about this necessity, more necessity of praying to Our Lady. Uh, I have a quote from the theologian uh, Suarez. Um, he says, uh, Suarez says that it is the sentiment of the universal church, that is the opinion of the church, uh, quote, that the intercession and prayers of Mary are, above those of all others, not only useful, but necessary, unquote. That confirms all that we have just said by a theologian. And certainly, writes Suarez, we should pray to Mary, not just sometimes, but always, begging her patronage and asking her help on the road to salvation. That is, in, in, in our necessities, so necessities vary according to you know, time and place, but we, we should always have recourse to, to Our Lady. Those are some excellent quotes again. Um, so, Father, it seems that the notion of moral necessity is really the key to understanding the necessity of devotion to Mary for our salvation. So could you please explain that a little further for our listeners? Yes, yes, really is a key, is the key to the whole question. And, um, well, to review is, the devotion to our lady is not a necessity, it's not absolute, that's an key word. It's not absolute. So in and of itself, it is not impossible, speaking absolutely, to save one's soul without a special devotion to our lady. Okay, that's clear. <laughs> but... If, and this is necessary to do in a practical question like this, so here we're not speaking like merely on paper, it has its place, but we are thinking well in the concrete. Can we, a concrete person, save his soul without devotion to our lady? Well, when one considers a practical question like that, one has to consider not merely the abstract principles, uh, you know, which derive from the essence of Things is this required physically? Is this essentially required? Uh, but one has to put in the balance or in the equation also all the factors and circumstances, which in fact, as a matter of fact, will be present, even though they might be not of the of the sheer essence of, of the question, but they will be there. Uh, for example, our weakness, our inclination to evil. You see, those are things that are there and they play a big role. See, so if once you start putting those factors in the equation, mm -hmm. then you start seeing that well, this is uh, extremely difficult. And other things that have to be weighed uh, is the frequent temptations that we must undergo before we attain salvation, essentially for dying. And then the devil, right? The devil with his snares and temptations and subtleties that all the saints speak about. So if you put all those together, you know, mm -hmm. our own weakness, our intention to even the devil, the, all of those difficulties, you might say, which are very real, mm -hmm. then if you consider that and still without asking for the help of Our Lady and praying to her, you aim at salvation, it's going to be extremely, extremely hard. And you can say, you can see once you consider this, how they say, you know, it's morally impossible. Yeah. On paper, yeah, we don't, there's nothing, you know, intrinsically against it, but, you know, who will overcome all those enemies yeah. without praying to Our Lady? It's already, you know, hard enough mm -hmm. you know, with devotion to her, so, but without devotion, 
it will be um, pretty much a lost battle in the practical order. And um, so I think that is a key. And I will remark that because the main, in a way, the more, more burning question is in the practical order, because we are not concerned just about you know, what the book says. So <laughs> we, are, we want to see if we can save our souls you know, without Ocean Tobolega. And then it's morally impossible. I mean, why make things more difficult than they need to be? It's already hard enough, as you said. Just <laughs> yes. um, kind of like shooting yourself in the foot, you know, for like a long journey. Um, you might be able to do it, but why, why would you want to try that? So I suppose just in, in everyday words, you, just, to, just to summarize here, is that even though theoretically speaking, it is possible that someone could save his soul without devotion to Our Lady, in a practical order, it's almost impossible. Yes, I think that's a simple way of putting it. I mean, we have to... You know, explain it carefully and theologically, etc. But I think mm-hmm. in, in you know, everyday English, that would be the way to put it. And um, yes, and then, uh, as I just said, we have one soul, right? And this soul is eternal, as we speak. So we're going to end up either eternally in heaven or in hell. So once we realize that it is necessary, that is morally necessary to have devotion to our lady to save our soul, then that alone should make us very careful, I would say even zealous, to preserve and nourish devotion to, to our lady, uh, since we need to ensure as much as possible our salvation. And by that I mean we for everything that we care a lot, we give importance, we take means. So in the case of devotion to our lady is very important and therefore we should take the means, you know, that it's not diminished, you know, by fallacies and it's mm-hmm. nurtured, uh, you know, by all the means we spoke in some other shows, like spiritual reading and you know, prayer, etc., etc. But uh, it is it is a very important question. Certainly, Father, and I think that even if this were the only advantage to devotion to Our Lady, I mean that in the sense that it makes our salvation much more likely. This alone would be enough to make us want to embrace it. Yes, absolutely, yes. Obviously, there are all sorts of other, you know, good things, uh, advantages that come from devotion. But yeah, you're perfectly right. If it were only this factor, like the only gain, you might say, is that, well, it makes our salvation more certain, mm-hmm. and the lack of it makes it extremely difficult. If there were that alone, that would be enough to, you know, to be zealous in embracing it. Yeah, absolutely. And, in fact, this uh, thought is perfectly in harmony with the, with the mind and the practice of the church, because uh, because as we spoke, it is not absolutely necessary. The church does not oblige the faithful in particular, like you must you know, say these prayers every so often to our lady. No, the church doesn't oblige us here. We are obliged to you know receive the sacraments at a certain time, etc. etc. The devotion to our lady is left more or less free as far as laws and whatnot. But the church. So that shows it's not necessarily in itself. But the church does require that we at least do not re- reject devotion to our lady, as the Jansenists or the Protestants do. Um, and then even more, the church, and you must say the positive side, the church does require that we observe many feasts of our lady. We have to follow the, say, the calendar of the church. And in the... In the um, Ecclesiastical year, there are a lot of feasts of our lady, etc. So even in that way, the church kind of leads us to devotion to, to her, even though not by a direct or explicit law. But in all these ways, the church 
uh, we see the mind of the church, that obviously the church's main concern is to lead us to, to heaven. So if the church gives us a lot of feasts of Our Lady and fosters the devotion, etc., even though she does not oblige us, that means that it is, um, it is even though not absolutely necessary, it is extremely difficult or is, uh, to save oneself, as, we, as the church seeks, without devotion to Our Lady. You see? The church is ensuring our salvation in that way also, as in many others. And then, well, I guess I cannot hear that. I, I said that we don't, the church doesn't have a, like a positive precept concerning um, you know, what prayers we should say to our lady, etc., or that we, have, we should have this or this other kind of devotion. But it is still true that in sacred scripture and tradition, we have many truths and statements which promote and advise it. We won't go into those, which we actually saw a lot of those in some other show. Um, so basically, it, it is ultimately based in tradition and, and scripture, but one should remember here that the necessity of devotion to Our Lady is based simply on natural law. That's why it might be one of the reasons why there are not so many positive laws. That is, it's based on natural law that is uh, is based in this way that is not directly and explicitly, but indirectly and implicitly. That is, the natural law requires that we seek the means to obtain our end. That's this is common sense which reflects the natural law. That is, if we have to be saved, and we, as we do, then we should take the means that lead us to that. And that's what the natural law is saying. And then we, by the positive, free, positive will of God, God chose in his wisdom, and it was very wise, that Our Lady uh, take a, 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 such an important role, etc., etc. So that being the case, the natural law tells us, so to speak, well, then, if it is so, if the devotion of, of Our Lady is so necessary, then you should, you should follow it, you see? It's, it's implicit. And, well, obviously, the contrary is true. By the natural law, we are obliged to shun as much as possible what lead us away from the end. So if we just saw that neglect or disdain of the ocean to our lady leads us, makes our attaining of the end much more difficult, then we should avoid it. And then here I would like to bring a quote of uh, St. Alphonsus. He says, uh, well, and it's on the lines that with devotion to our lady, we, we have great confidence of salvation and without it, we have great fears to, to be damned, that's essentially, but the quote, uh, let me read it. Um, he says, Let those tremble who little esteem or abandon through negligence devotion to this Divine Mother. They, St. is speaking about the saints, he just quoted, they say that it is impossible for those to be saved who are not protected by Mary. And this is also asserted by others, as the blessed Albert the Great, all those who are not thy servants, O Mary, shall perish. So that's the quote of St. Alphonsus. So it's from The Glories of Mary, an incomparable book on Our Lady. And then, obviously now, Albert was canonized and declared a doctor of the Church. But, okay, so those are some quotes to, to prove what we just said. 
So Father, we've been talking about striving as much as we can to secure our salvation. Now I know, of course, that the church teaches no one can be certain that they will be among the saved except by a particular revelation from God. Still, theologians do recognize in various graces received, good deeds and qualities, certain signs of predestination. What would be the place of devotion to Our Lady in these certain signs? Well, um, yes, as, as you correctly said, it is of faith, actually, that no one can be certain of his predestination except by a special revelation from God. But although this is the case, St. Bernard says that there are signs of predestination which give a conjectural certitude. That is, a conjecture means, as you know, it's, it means it's not a certitude, but it's like a sign, a favorable sign, you know, that makes you hope, okay, it seems that, mm -hmm. I hope that. So that's a, the idea of signs of predestination. It's not like a guarantee or anything, but these are good signs. So the Holy Fathers, the doctors and theologians, commonly teach that a singular, that is a great devotion to Our Lady, is among the strongest signs of predestination. That's a very consoling truth, Father, for those who sincerely try to venerate our Blessed Mother and should hopefully inspire our listeners to a greater devotion of her. Could you perhaps give some quotes in support of, of, of this? Yes, there are some very good uh, quotes I got for the show. And I actually selected the ones that are from doctors of the church to give them more authority. So we start with St. Ephraim. He salutes Our Lady, Hail Mary, certain salvation of Christians who sincerely and truly have recourse to thee. Very interesting. Hail Mary, certain salvation of Christians. The St. Ephraim. St. John Damascene uh, says the following to Our Lady, Receive the prayer of thy sinful servant, who nevertheless loves thee ardently and honors thee and considers thee his only hope of joy and certain pledge of salvation. Certain pledge of salvation. And then St. Bernard, it is certain that we shall be saved only through grace. Why, brethren, do we seek other things? Let us seek grace and let us seek it through Mary, because she always finds what she seeks. And then St. Thomas Aquinas says that Mary has been given the great privilege of saving all the guilty and the evildoers who approach her. And last of all, St. Alphonsus says, It is impossible that any client of Mary be condemned if he faithfully honors her and commends himself to her. Those are some very nice quotes, Father. And, and as you said, from the doctors of the church, giving more authority and doctors from across multiple centuries. Yes, different centuries and countries, etc. So it's, it's a good point because it shows that it's, it's the mind of the church and of the Holy Ghost, who is the church. It's not like, you know, something that pertains uh, to Italy or to any particular mm -hmm. time or place. And, um, and in fact, on this same line, as Mary I knows, in most questions of theology, actually most questions, there are different schools and the theologians disagree, and not in the essential points, but they have different views. Mm -hmm. Like, um, so you have schools like the, the Thomas, and then the, the, uh, you have the Jesuits, uh, and, and so forth. Uh, so that's very common. Now, in this particular thesis or truth we are defending, all the theologians are agreed. There's no difference of schools, whether you are Franciscan or uh, Dominican or Jesuit. They all say, which is a very interesting point. Um, 
told, as, as I told you, this shows that it is, it is the mind of the church. It's not um, a theological concoction of someone or other out of, of a devotion. Um, and then, in fact, actually, Pius XII confirmed the, uh, our thesis in the encyclical Mediator Day. So he strongly condemns those who, uh, with some excuses, were putting obstacles to devotion to Our Lady. Um, and uh, the Pope says, uh, devotion to the Virgin Mother of God, a sign of predestination, according to the opinion of the saints. Okay, so essentially, Pius XII uh, supports that, that view. And then, to our point also, I have the quote of a theologian, Alastray. Uh, he writes, eternal life is given as a reward for good works, that is, for the merits, virtues, and good works executed in the state of grace during life. All of this ordinarily depends on the devotion men have for the Blessed Virgin, since it is evident that when devotion to Mary grows cold, the spiritual life is weakened, and when devotion to Mary is more fervent, the spiritual life becomes stronger. So, Father, is it correct then to say, just as having a great devotion to Our Lady is a sign of predestination, that on the contrary, to despise devotion to her is a sign of reprobation? Yes, that is exactly so, very clearly. So, actually, uh, even... Uh, it's a famous uh, quote of a heretic, actually. He's a heretic, uh, Ecolampadius. But even though he was a heretic, uh, he said, Never let it be heard that I am hostile to Mary, to think evil of whom I judge a sure sign of reprobation. So this is a heretic, but even he could see, see that. Everybody <laughs> can see other things, but... <laughs> so, Father... The saints speak about different kinds of devotion to Our Lady, separating the false from the true, such as one may have a sincere devotion, another a hypocritical devotion. One's devotion might be solid, another's might be merely an, ex an, external, an external devotion and external things. Um, you know, such things like that. And we've, we've talked about this actually a little bit in our previous series, in The True Devotion to Mary. But could you explain to our listeners now what kind of devotion to Mary is a, is a sign of eternal predestination? Yes, good question. How to distinguish? Uh, yes, so as concerning this question of predestination, we can distinguish three kinds of devotion to, uh, to Mary. Uh, the perfect, the imperfect, and the false. So perfect devotion is that which honors Our Lady by imitating her virtues through the avoidance of sin, the observance of the divine law and the perfect love of God. Then the imperfect devotion consists in honoring and praising Our Lady by someone who sometimes falls into mortal sin, but who makes sincere uh, resolutions and efforts to overcome his sin and convert and praise to Our Lady for help to that end. And then false devotion is that which consists merely, merely in external practices but at the same time, the person lives ordinarily in the state of mortal sins, it is habitually in the state of mortal sin, and rashly presumes that without his fighting against sin, so no effort, no fight, and the occasions of sin, that is, he hasn't cared for himself on the occasion, he still presumes that, oh, well, the Virgin will obtain for me the remission of all my sins, and I will be saved. That's a false devotion. And um, so that, that's the main division here. 
that seems to be in substance the same division that St. Louis de Montfort and St. Alphonsus do concerning the kinds of devotion. So, Father, what can we say concerning each of them? Well, the first thing is always the perfect devotion to Our Lady, practiced continually, is a true sign of predestination, as was shown by the testimonies of the fathers and popes and doctors. That is, that's it's a perfect devotion, so that has to be obviously a sign of predestination, and it is. And then it is also obvious that the false devotion we spoke about is in no way a sign of predestination. Uh, in fact, I read in an author saying that, well, those who practice devotion in so-called devotion in that way, um, according to St. Alphonsus Liguori, deserve chastisement or punishment and not mercy. So it's like an abuse. So obviously, that is no sign of predestination at all. So really, the only question is, what about the imperfect one? And it has to be said, and it is, it is said by the theologians, that even the imperfect devotion to Our Lady is a conjectural, uh, conjectural sign of predestination, although it is imperfect and remote. That is, as we spoke, the, the sense of predestination gives, like, you might say, hints and hopes, etc. So the strongest one is the, the perfect. The imperfect one is still a sign, but it's much weaker, you might say. Uh, but it's still a sign. Uh, it's a good sign. And in support of this, this we have uh, St. Ephraim and many of the Holy Fathers uh, refer to Our Lady as the refuge of sinners. Of sinners. So, but obviously she's involved as a refuge of sinners, not in the sense that we should remain calm in our sins, to our immortal sin, but so that sinners cease their evil ways, convert and be saved. So there has to be a desire for conversion. Um, and then we have a nice quote of Saint Indelphons of Toledo here. He says, without the Blessed Virgin, one travels on the road to damnation. Therefore, we should place ourselves under her mantle and confess our sins. I have also the quote of Pope Innocent III. He says that he who is lost in the darkness of sin should call upon Mary, and she, through her son, will illuminate his heart with the light of penance. So he's speaking about persons who sometimes fall into mortal sin, but they can pull themselves out through devotion to Our Lady. And finally, the greatest of all theologians, St. Thomas, uh, he states that Mary has been privileged with so great a dignity so that it is to the end that all the guilty and evil doers that have recourse to her may be saved. So she's the hope of sinners and the refuge of sinners. So if the sinners truly desire to overcome sin, to overcome mortal sin, we're speaking here about mortal sin, which is the, the big obstacle to salvation, if they try to overcome it, but they might be still struggling because of some passion, etc., they should, by all means, practice great devotion to Our Lady and persevere in it, since they can have the hope, through her intercession, to obtain the grace of true repentance, conversion, and salvation. So there's no question here of being saved without converting. But we will obtain the grace of conversion and pulling away from, from what that sin through our lady. That makes sense, Father, because after all, we do implore the Blessed Virgin as the refuge of sinners, but we certainly include the sinner that wants to be helped and rescued. Yes, yes. It's, as, as we said, if somebody is struggling, etc., and by, obviously we have to desire to be, to be helped and saved. If that desire is lacking, then 
then we block our way. Um, then, uh, in fact, there is a, a nice quote from a certain father, uh, Petit Laton, a Marianist. So he says, there always remains to the sinner as a hope of salvation, his devotion to Mary. However, imperfect it may be. We just spoke about, yes, the devotion is imperfect, sure, but it's still a hope for the sinner. The theologian continues, whatever anyone does for her will not go without its reward. The actions of sinners cannot merit, but Mary is so good that she takes account of the smallest intention. There are numerous examples of those who had no intention of changing their lives, but have been converted to true repentance by the devotion to Mary. That is, no intention, he means not that they have, they reject salvation or anything, it's that they, maybe they are postponing it for now, etc., etc. So they pray to Our Lady and then they actually get the grace of, no, what I'm doing, I should change today and be mm. converted. That's very common. Um, now, but obviously we have to be careful. We have to remark with a, a theologian, Terrian. Uh, uh, he remarks very aptly that there is always a possibility and a fear that habitual sinners will become odd in their sins and abandon their devotion to Mary to perish wretchedly at the end of their life. It is therefore, this is also from Terrian, a theologian, it is therefore necessary to warn such persons against the rejection of this last help and to encourage them not to cease calling upon Mary. So what Terrian means is this, that if we persevere in devotion, Our Lady will eventually obtain a grace of conversion, but we have to make sure we persevere because the devil will tempt us to cease in praying the help of Our Lady and therefore we can be damned. Well, Father, I think we have covered quite a bit in this second episode, and we certainly have enough material to reflect about, especially as we think of the big question of eternal salvation. Is there anything else you would like to add in summary before we close out our episode, Father? Yes, I will kind of recapitulate what we said, but I will say, in my opinion, an important aspect of the devotion to Our Lady, or a point is to see uh, frequently devotion to Our Lady, you might say, in the light of eternity. That is, we have to judge things from the standpoint, not of this short life, but how we will judge them from eternity, or at least from when we approach death. So this is a very, very strong help to perseverance in devotion to Our Lady, which, as we saw, will ensure our salvation. Um, because when we are, we have temptations, aridity, difficulty, devotion to Our Lady starts to feel like a routine, like we say the rosary, right? Then it becomes, it feels like a routine, we feel tired, we, we just lose that, that sense of it, right? Mm-hmm. So then we have to see, see it from eternity, not how we feel it now, but it's, how I'm going to, to judge when I am dying that I overcame myself and said, no, you know, instead of going to you know, do some silly recreation, which is fine, but now I will, I will say my rosary today. I should say my rosary today. So we overcome ourselves. How we're going to see that from eternity? That's extremely important because, as I see it, that's what gives us a perseverance in, in devotion because otherwise the wind will change mm-hmm. and the fervor will go, is going to, to dwindle. Mm-hmm. So if we don't have that anchor of seeing the things from eternity or from salvation, from the moment of death, etc., which is the same, then we're not going to persevere. So that's an important point. Um, so I will end up with that thought. And, well, we can always quote a classic quote from St. Paul. St. Paul in those lines is, 
uh, what he says to the, to the Hebrews, we have not here a lasting city, but we seek one that is to come. We always have to see in that light. We don't have here a lasting city, we seek one that is to come. Well, I think those words of St. Paul are an excellent way to close out our episode. Thank you for your time, Father, and we'll talk to you again next time as we continue the series. May God bless you. Thank you. God bless you too.